Oh, God. 
available, devotions available on you, uh, version. That's the Bible app that a lot of us use, and Bible Gateway and all of them have a number of apps that are available for the Holy Week. Uh, I've logged into one and have started today my march to Easter Sunday. And what's really cool about these apps is a lot of them, the one I'm doing tells you what was going on each day on the way to Easter Sunday. And uh, for example, I looked ahead, I read my first one today, which was Palm Sunday, but then I looked ahead, and tomorrow, it was Monday that Jesus actually went in and cleansed the temple, uh, and said, this is to be the house of prayer, and you've made it a, a den of thieves, and so there's something that happens every day on the way to the cross, and it would be, it would be mammoth for us to take uh, advantage opportunity to search that out for ourselves, and these apps just lay it right out before you. So I highly encourage you to take a look at some of those tools that are available and enhance your Easter week. Um, of course, one of my favorite days is Thursday. There's so much going on on Thursday. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus in the upper room with the disciples, Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. And I've, I've told you before, the thing that blows me away about the love of God is that as Jesus was washing the feet of, this, of the disciples, he did not exclude Judas. Even though he knew Judas was about to leave that room and to go and betray him for 30 pieces of silver, he knelt down and washed his feet. Um, the love of God is amazing. Amen? Amazing is his love. But, but please, dig into the opportunities that are yours this week and, and just make this journey. And I promise you, as you do that and you get to Good Friday, Jesus died on Friday afternoon on the cross for you and for me. He took the sins of the world upon himself that God might impart to us his divine righteousness that would make us fit to dwell forever in his presence. It's a glorious, glorious time as we celebrate all of these truths. Um, and then Saturday was a quiet day. Did you hear that in the, the dry bones rattling? Saturday, Satan thought for sure he had won the battle. But Sunday was about to happen, and what a glorious morning that was when they went to the tomb and found it empty. So what a great, great week. So many places we could go today in Scripture, though. So many places. Um, let me just mention one of them, and, and I'm probably going to go here. I think I'm going to be going here next Sunday for Easter Sunday, but I want to mention it today. The tomb of Lazarus. What an incredible moment. And one of the things that happened that day as Jesus was there and, and was making his approach to the tomb where Lazarus' body, Lazarus was dead, and he had been buried for four days. And Jesus is about to resurrect him. 
And it's a precursor to the, to the resurrection of Jesus. It, it's an important moment. Because Jesus wants them to understand before the crucifixion and his own resurrection that the power of life over death belongs to Jesus. It belongs to, to God. And, and Jesus wanted them to understand that resurrection is not just some prophetic date on some calendar of prophecy. Resurrection is a person. And Jesus wanted them to understand before his own crucifixion that their opportunity to have eternal life was not just theological. It is theological, but it's not just theological. There's something behind the theology that is the power of life, that is the power over death, over sin, over the grave. And so Jesus takes this opportunity. Please understand, this is not happenstance. Jesus said, Lazarus has landed in the grave because this was the Father's plan. That the glory of God might be revealed. That we might understand when, when it looks like it's done, that it's not done until God says it's done. And so Jesus steps to the entryway to the tomb of Lazarus. And he prays and he says, Father, I thank you that you always hear me. And G it's like, I, I kind of envision Jesus now going into a whisper tone because he says, now, Father, I know you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of those who are around me. Jesus already knew what was going to happen. Jesus is eternal. He is a part of the Godhead. There, there's never a moment that Jesus is not already there. It, it's it's, it's mind-boggling to, to try to understand that. But Jesus steps to the entrance of the tomb and calls Lazarus by name and brings him out. And I want to tell you that one day Jesus is going to call us by name and we're going to walk out. We're going to rise up out of that grave and we're going to go to that glory that has been prepared for us. That, that is a certainty. But it is so important for us to understand, and I believe that's why God has given me this message on this Palm Sunday, because this is not the typical direction that I would go on a Palm Sunday. Normally I would go to that passage uh, that, that talks about him riding into Jerusalem on, on the back of a donkey, and I thank Tony for bringing that in the beginning, because it's important today that that passage be lifted up, but that's not the passage the Lord led me to for the message today. God left me, led me to a different place, kind of following in the footsteps of where he led me last week. We're going to talk again about Jesus being, standing before Pilate. But here's the thing. What God has laid upon my heart to impress upon us today is how important it is that this story, that it become personal for us. That it becomes a relationship with Jesus for us. Not just a historical rehearsing of the facts. Rehearsing the facts historically is important. But if you leave it there, it's not enough. Everyone being brought into the light of who Jesus is and what he has done has the responsibility personally to make a decision about Jesus. And nobody can make that decision for us. Now, our parents have prayed for us. Our grandparents have prayed for us. We pray for our kids. We pray for our grandkids. We pray for our families, for our siblings, for our neighbors, for our co-workers, that they might come into the face of the glory of who Jesus is and make a decision for him. But ultimately, everybody has to decide for themselves what they will do with Jesus. And there are all kinds of pressures, if you will, external pressures that, that come to a person's life when that moment of decision is, is revealed to their understanding. Jesus is standing before Pilate. And Pilate asks Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered like this. He said, do you say this of your own accord? Or did others say it to you about me? Do you see what's happening here? It's personal. It's not just political. It's not just theological. It's not just historical. It's personal. Pilate, why are you asking me if I'm the king of the Jews? 
Is your heart being drawn to who I really am and what I'm really up to? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priest have delivered you over to me. What have you done? In other words, Jesus, why are your people so put out with you? Why have they been brought to the place that they would deliver you over to the authorities, local authorities representing Rome and, and the emperor? Why, why, what, has, what has brought this moment about? What in the world are you doing stirring up so much trouble in Palestine? What, what are you doing? Jesus answered him, understanding that, that really Pilate's question is in a political uh, vein. He's talking about the powers that be and how the powers that be uh, in, in, in Jerusalem and the surrounding areas are being challenged by his very presence, by his teachings, by his miracles. And Jesus takes it to a completely different place. Doesn't God always do that? God shows us that His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Pilate's thinking about how there's upheaval in Jerusalem and how it's causing a, a mess for him as the governor of the area. And he's going to have to answer to Caesar if he doesn't bring this under control. And he's, try, he's doing everything he knows to do to, to control this situation. Uh, know this, God's going to have his way. It's out of our control. Jesus answered him and said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting. And I want to I insert a word there, would have already been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Now last week I, I brought out the portion where Pilate asked him just point blank, who are you? And Jesus remained silent. And Pilate became frustrated. He said, man, don't you know who I am? Don't you know that I'm the governor of these parts and, and I have the power to let you go or to hand you over to be crucified? And Jesus said, Pilate, someone way above your pay grade has made the decision about this moment. You would have no power over me unless it had been given to you by the Father above. Before the creation of the world, Ephesians says, God chose you in Christ Jesus to be his very own child. Not just in physical reality, but in spiritual reality. Before the creation of the world, the cross of Jesus was already in play. Tony reminded us Wednesday night at Bible study, Calvary was never plan B, it was always plan A. That is the truth of the gospel. It is not because the law wasn't working out that Jesus went to the cross. It was because the law never was enough to make the changes on the inside of a person that need to be made. And so Jesus came and became the way, the truth, and the life that we might have the opportunity to make a decision about our own eternal destiny. That's the way God would have it to be. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. Sounds like this mic is dying, right? Vernon says I'm all right, so I'm keep going. My kingdom is not of this world. There's something bigger going on than Rome. 
There's something bigger going on than Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the outer regions of that part of the world. There's something bigger happening here today, Pilate. There is a world beyond this world. The kingdom of God. And what's happening in this moment is about giving mankind the opportunity to press from the kingdoms, the temporal kingdoms of this world into the eternal kingdom of God. If Jesus had not gone to the cross, we would not be saved. Heaven would not be an option. The wages of sin is death. And all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We were on our way. Before we were ever born, we were on our way to the flames of torment. But God chose us before the beginnings of creation. The eternal God who put everything into motion. And before he did that, Genesis says the world was void and without form. It didn't exist. Jesus went to the cross to give us the opportunity to choose life. And I, I, I want to thank Jesus. This, I mean this. I want to thank Jesus this morning for dying on the cross in our place. I want to thank God for helping us to understand that his kingdom is not of this world, that there's something bigger than what this world is all about. There's something eternal waiting for us. Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes, he says, that God has put eternity in the hearts of people. And so God wired something into us that would long for something more than this world and what it has to offer. And that's why ultimately, nothing this world offers will satisfy. Only the living water that God offers in His Son Jesus will satisfy that's what we were created for. And I want to thank the Lord for awaking us to that reality that we might understand there, there's something more. There's something beyond. There's something waiting for us on the other side. There is a land that is fairer than day. I believe that. And God is giving us the opportunity to see it, to choose it, to move in that direction. I thank the Holy Spirit for helping us to see the love that sent Jesus into this world and to the cross. That the Holy Spirit has enabled us to understand that Jesus was not murdered that day. He was sacrificed. The Roman soldiers did not hand Him over to death. God the Father handed Him over to death as the Lamb of God as the only means for us to gain eternal salvation. That's why in Acts 4 it says, there is no other name given among men whereby we can be saved. Jesus is the Savior. And the Holy Spirit has revealed that to our hearts and to our minds. And I'm so thankful that, that we see that and that we are able to make a choice. And that we can come to the place that we understand that just as Jesus asked Pilate, he asked us today, do you say that I am the king of glory of your own accord, or are you saying it because others are saying it? And in that question, Jesus is asking us individually, he's asking me today, Ron, are you doing more than just talking about me? is your trust in me? Do you believe that I am the Son of God? Do you believe that when I died on the cross that it became the payment for your sin, the atonement for your sin? Do you believe that I am the way, the truth, and the life? Do you confess that? 
Do you believe that? Pilate was confronted that day. He was confronted with Jesus. But here's the sad truth. He couldn't seem to separate himself from the politics of the moment. What a terrible thing. I mean, you think about it. I've never had Jesus stand across from me in physical form. Can you imagine that if he walked in here this morning and we saw him with our physical eyes, not just our spiritual eyes, but we had the opportunity to behold, to behold him in a moment in time and know this is Jesus. Jesus, you look different than I thought you would. Better, but different. Can you imagine face to face with Jesus and all you can think about, and I'm saying this figuratively, not you, Pilate, all you can think about is what, what do I need to do that will keep me safe in the midst of this drama? What, what can I do to remove myself from what's happening here? This thing is escalating. Politically, something's got to be done. I don't know what to do. Pilate's wife warned him, hey, be careful. I had a dream about this guy. He's bigger than you understand. This whole thing is bigger than you understand. And Pilate goes in and washes his hands as if to say, I, I don't take responsibility for this. But I want to tell you something. One day I'm going to stand before God and I can blame everybody else all I want, but the truth is I'm accountable for the decision I make concerning Jesus. Pilate is accountable for the decision he made concerning Jesus. It's personal. It's bigger than church. It's bigger than politics. It's bigger than theology. It's bigger than sociology. It's bigger than all of these different studies of our existence. This is life or death. What have you done with Jesus? He loves you. He went to the cross and he would have gone if it had been only for you. If you were the only one, he still would have gone. He atoned for your sins. And if you see this truth, if you believe this truth, if you are repentant in the face of this truth and sorry for what sin has done to mankind, for what sin did to Jesus, the Bible says in that spirit of repentance and godly sorrow, there's an opportunity for us to find forgiveness and rebirth. The broken body of Jesus, the stripes upon his body, that were put there by the whips of those who scourged him. The pouring out of his blood that happened as a result of the crown of thorns as they mocked him. The blood that flowed as a result of him being nailed bodily to the cross. The blood that flowed with water from his side when they pierced him. is our salvation. Jesus said it, hear him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. A ritual can't save you. A preacher can't save you. A priest can't save you. A rabbi can't save you. Your riches can't save you. Your family line cannot save you. You will not be able to stand in that place on that day and say, I'm so-and-so's boy. When we stand on that day, we stand as an individual and we stand in the truth of what we've done with Jesus. And here's the power of this moment.
I'm just an ordinary guy. Standing on an ordinary platform. Speaking to real people about a glorious truth. But the power of this moment does not rest in my hands or in your hands, but the power of this moment rests in the... The power of the Holy Spirit being present in this moment. Because the Spirit reaches into your heart and into your mind in a way that no one else can. And He takes the foolishness of preaching, as Paul labeled it in the book of Corinthians... He takes the foolishness of such a moment as this and makes it the gateway, the opportunity for you to make a decision that would allow the power of God to rest on you in such a way that you are made His very own eternal child, a member of the family of God. John wrote it this way in the first chapter of the gospel. He said, Jesus came to his own and they did not receive him. But the ones who did receive him, God gave them his power to become the children of God. Born not as a, as a matter of natural descent or a father's will, but born of God because of the cross of Christ. As many as receive Jesus as the Lamb of God, God gives us the opportunity to be saved. The book of Acts says, or the book of Romans says, no one who calls upon the Lord will be put to shame. Have you come to Jesus? Have you bowed before Him with contrition, with brokenness because of what sin did to Jesus and because of what sin has done to mankind? I, I read this morning the report of the shooting in the Nashville school. Horrible. Three nine-year-old children and three leaders in that school in their 60s in a moment taken into eternity, taken away from their families because of a troubled individual. If you have never, if you have never accepted Jesus as your Savior, personally speaking, oh, you've been to church, been to Bible school, been to Sunday school, sung in the choir, faithful in placing offerings in the plate. Sunday's important to you as far as church attendance is concerned. I mean, look, you're here. But have you ever knelt in the presence of Christ and said something like this? It doesn't have to be verbatim, but something like this. Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. And I know sin nailed you to that cross. And I know you went there willingly to die in my place. And I want to ask you, Lord, as I receive you as my Savior, that you would see, receive me as your child. Forgive me. Save me. Have your way with me. One of the glories of communion is it is a, a powerful way for us to make that confession. Jesus 
instituted communion, the Lord's Supper, on Thursday before he was crucified the next day. They had had the Passover meal together to celebrate what that, what that all means. And it says, after supper, he took the bread and he, he blessed it and he broke it. And as he passed it to the disciples, he said, this bread represents my body that is broken for sin. Broken for you. Offered as a sacrifice that you might have a choice, that you might have life. Take, take this bread and, and eat, it of, eat of it, all of you, is what he said to them. And then it says after that he took the cup and he said this cup, which held some variety of wine, the wine of the day, not like the wine we drink now for sure, but, but some sort of a variety of wine of the day, fruit of the vine. He took it and he said, I want all of you to drink from this cup, for this cup represents my blood that is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. And when he gave the Lord's Supper, it became, it became a, a symbolic way, a real way, to enter into the, the confession and the faith that is spoken of in Romans 10 when it says, if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, that Jesus is the Lord and God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And communion becomes that opportunity for us to give expression to faith and say, you know what? I believe Jesus is the Lamb of God. I believe his blood is shed for my forgiveness and my salvation, and I want him in my life. Pilate asked, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus replied with a question, why do you ask me this? Have you come to this knowledge on your own? Or are you just repeating what you've heard? And so this morning, I ask you, not what your mama and daddy believed, not what your family believes, not what this church believes, I ask you, what do you believe? Is Jesus the only Savior? And if he is, it means something for us to take this communion together. Lord, today, we take this bread and we take this juice as a confession. You have invited us to your table and are giving us another opportunity to say, I believe. I believe Jesus is the Lamb of God. I believe he died for me. I believe I need his death or I will forever be lost. I believe. His body was broken for us. Eat this in remembrance of Him. His blood was poured out for our forgiveness. Drink this in remembrance of Him.